Hey, this is Alan Troutman, and you are listening to WithoutYourHead.com. I don't know how you can listen without your head, but there you are. Here at the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal. I'm Treacherous Trista. We're joined by Christopher M. Jimenez of Sinful Celluloid. It's very cool to have you here. Thank you. It's very cool to be here. Yes. So, uh, for people not aware, can you give them an idea of what Sinful Celluloid is? Besides, um, the it started off as a horror website. It's still a horror website. Um, back in 2011, I guess, and sort of morphed into all kinds of things. Um, as far as the company is concerned, we produced our first film two years ago now, which stars King Potter. It's called Nightport, which is uh, currently going through the, the throes of distribution meeting hell. You know how that goes. Um, before that, produced the last Danzig video, which was um, Last Ride, and as well as his appearance on The Core for Shudder, and um, part of uh, Verotica, which is actually um, the same stuff we did for The Core. So the best looking stuff for Verotica. Um, that's a bunch of stuff for TV, and I've contributed to a couple of books, one being with Lovely Trista, called uh, My Favorite Horror Movie, which is uh, edited and uh, the brainchild of uh, Christian Ackerman. It's so, actually how I met her. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. And now I reside in wonderful Phoenix, Arizona. What's the weather like in Arizona right now? Right now, it's it's not bad. It's It's been cold and on the verge of rain. It rains a lot here when it's not. 115, 120 degrees. So, yeah, it's not bad right now. The funny thing is, is ice, we came here two years ago. Two, three years ago now? Um, I don't know. I have no concept of time. But, yes, two or three years ago. A while ago. Um, yeah. To do, a, to do a book signing at a Mad Monster convention, and we did a panel and all that fun stuff. And I swore to God... I would never come back here. Ever. Here I am. It's one of it's one of life's little fucking trickeries where it's like, oh, you don't like that. We will find a way to make you have to live with it. So here I am. Well, what brought you back to Arizona? Um, it's, just, it's cheaper. It's 
miles cheaper than LA. I love my city, born and raised, but let's face it, you can't live there anymore. So, and I can be there in six hours if I need to be or want to be. So, I don't need to live there anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed uh, that you're actually from LA, which is unusual. Most people move to LA, but you're actually from LA and I moved to Arizona. I, I witnessed all the, the uh, fun stuff. My, um, my mother was friends with Bobby Beausoleil, who was like Manson's number two when he first started. And then he committed the Hinden murder, and then he was in prison. So, um, yeah, like Manson was all part of my early upbringing because, like, you know, when you're out of hand as a child, your parents will threaten you with whatever, the boogeyman, the belt, whatever, right? Not my mom. She'd be like, you know, the Manson girls are right up over the hill in Simple Brand, right? Right? That they'd like a little boy. And uh, that's how my mom got me to to stay in line. Not saying that really was worked out. <laughs> you know, I never got in trouble. Let's put it that way. Right. Well, that's good. Uh, you mentioned Mad Monster, and I saw that you were in uh, House of the Wolfman, which is made by Evan McGar, who a mutual friend of ours. So, uh, how did that come about? Um, I knew Evan for at that time. I don't know, maybe about three years or so. I've known Evan forever. And it was like, dude, I'm making a movie. Come come work on a movie. Okay. And so we all got down and got scared with that. And then he needed somebody to be one of the footmen. So that's how I ended up in that. And that's how it all started. And then, like, people wanted to put me in, like, hey, come be in the movie. We need you in the hat. And it became, like, this thing. Half of my IMDb is, like, camo appearances in, like, weird movies from, like, James Colin Bresick and what have you. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I've been friends with him a long time too. He's a good guy. He's much friendlier now since he's vegan. Right? It was it was it was the killing of animals that made him belligerent. <laughs> you know, he, play, he plays Conan Exiles and he tells me that even in the game, he's vegan. He's like, it's really challenging because I I won't kill animals and so I only drink water and seeds and <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I say it's because I like Evan a lot, but he's the only vegan I know who does like who does yell at me for not being a vegan. Everyone else is doesn't care what you do, but I will say he uh, he's kind of a militant vegan, but he's a good guy. He is. But not um he is, but at the he doesn't hit you over the head with it in a way where like those others vegan soldiers want to kill you. Like, he'll have a conversation with you where other people just want to attack you, if you know what I mean. So I'll give him that. Mm-hmm. He also doesn't wear shoes anymore, I've noticed. I don't know. He's a changed man. It's, I, you know what? I don't know what. I was going to say it's marriage, but maybe marriage. partly. Yeah. Ron Chaney was also in that, wasn't he? House of Wolfman? Yes, he was. Fantastic man. His, the whole Chaney family is fantastic. Um, they're, just, they're just good people. I would assume. I assume you grew up a horror fan, so I assume you know that's got to be pretty cool to be in a movie with Ron Chaney. Yes, and yes. Um, you know, are are you from LA or no? I'm not. No, I'm Massachusetts. When um, when I was young, like five, six years old, Channel Five had all the Universal Monster films. So twice a year, they would play them Monday through Friday at like eight o'clock. So, like, Monday was Dracula, Tuesday was Frankenstein, so on and so forth. And that was, like, twice a year. And, you know, you'd sit there and you'd wait for it. For those of you who don't know, yes, before before VHS and everything, you just had to sit there and wait till it came on TV. Yeah, <laughs> and when it did, it was a big fucking deal. Mm-hmm. So, there I was. I'd sit there every day. My grandfather, my grandfather was Western and cop show guy. So he would begrudgingly let me watch because he didn't give a shit. He didn't want to watch that. But he would let me sit there and watch it for one week, and then he didn't want to hear a peep out of me till whatever, till it came on again in October. <laughs> well, was that your? Would that have been your first like uh, horror movies that you started to watch? Were the Universal Monsters? 
Yeah, I mean, with any kind of regularity, I saw Jaws in the theater, which was 75, so I was like four. And then we went to re-release. So it's hard to tell when that started, somewhere between 75 and 76. Because, I mean, back then, movies would play in the theater for over a year. They just sat there, raking in the cash. So um, it was either Jaws or it was the Universal Monsters, one of the two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember... With Universal Monsters, they would come on late at night, and I I had VCR at this point, so I would record them. I probably still have them somewhere, but you know, record all the Universal Monster movies off TV, and uh, it's great now that you can watch anything at at any point. But I think you do uh, you do lose something when you can just watch anything at at any time. You no, know, I mean, it's it. like anything else; you take it for granted, mm-hmm. you know. It's not special anymore because not only do you have it, but you have like three or four different box sets of it with different special features, different releases. It's just a thing now that sits on your shelf. So, no, I totally agree with you. I was just saying, it's uh, Trista's cat's walking across the just show. Just demonstrating, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that's why I had to step away. I had to mitigate a rather serious cat fight. But, oh, um, I mind that, but yeah, I'm glad, <laughs> glad everything's okay now. <laughs> yeah, cat politics, you know. I, I know, I feel you. I've been there. I am there. So, I'm, I, do you think cat cast or the pod cat is a is a better term? I guess maybe I the, like cat, the pod cat. The pod cat. Right. I like the I like the pod cat. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have to ask David's opinion. <laughs> He's very opinionated. <laughs> now, do you have a question, Trista? I do, yeah. So you mentioned that we met because we both contributed to the same book and then we traveled together to promote it. But I'm wondering uh, how you got involved, uh, how you came to contribute to the book. Were you just friends with Christian? Had you worked together? I'm just friends with Christian. Um we met during the, the, the old uh, Screamfest era and all that stuff. And um, so I just started to see him. Actually, we met, I was a guest in Big Bear for some um, first time and the last horror convention that was in Big Bear. And that's how I met him. He was screening Hell's Bells. Um, he was out there with a Trina and um, somebody else. And I remember that. You know, <laughs> That was great. Um, that's why I met him. And just we just slowly became friends. And I don't know if we'd done anything at that point. I think we did a couple of things that he had called me on. Um, but he, you know, he hit me up. He's like, "Hey, hey, man, can I do a book? Can I do a book? It's gonna be good. Just, just fucking write something." I would <laughs> And that was like the whole conversation. So um, he asked me, "Can what you do his last?" Huh? That I Can you do his last? His last is very specific. Please, you do it. I can't. I can't do it. I'm not here doing <laughs> Christian impressions. <laughs> I can only do that because we were um, we were in the mountains for one week doing a film with James Hong, and every morning we were staying up there in a in a trailer. So it was me, him, and Luca, and somebody else I'm forgetting, JT. I don't know if you know JT. Every morning you start off the same. He'd get up, out of bed, go to the refrigerator. <clears throat> Looks like we're going to need some more brews. <clears throat> so then Luca would have to go all the way down the mountain in an hour, go get whatever we needed, get about two or three 12 packs of beer and assorted other stuff. Come back up. Next morning, looks like he needs more brews every day. This is very incriminating. I'm going to send it to him. <laughs> incriminating. Like, like he would deny, or like he could deny it. I mean, that's, it was an interesting week. It was like, it was like living a frat life for like a week. So, yeah, it was, that's how I, um, that's how I became involved in that. Anyways, in short. Right. So what was it about horror movies that uh, that interested you? I have problems <laughs> emotionally. Okay. I'm sorry to laugh at that. Don't we all, though? I mean, we all get involved in horror for some reason. 
It's um it's a very just yeah, I really don't have an answer for that. You know, I, I like that stuff. I like the atmosphere. I like spooky houses and cobwebs and all that stuff that are, you know, the classic tropes. And I miss that, which is why I look at horror now and it's just I roll my eyes a lot of the time because it's like, oh, here's like six pretty kids in a condo and spooky shit happens. It's supernatural because we don't have a budget. Done. You know, I get sent this shit like, I don't know, two, three times a week. And they're like, do you want to review this? No. And because it's just, there's, there's a lot, it's not that there's a lack of creativity. Me and Trish talked about this actually. It's just, things are just so different now and there's such a lack of money and a lack of support that it's just, there's nothing coming out that really has any kind of really visual draw or, and the performances are, the other thing is everybody's trying to write The Walking Dead. Yes, still. If it's not The Walking Dead, they're trying to do Blumhouse. Well, make it understated and make it cerebral and, you know, it's just everybody's trying to do that but they don't have the one thing they need to do that, or the two things I'll say, which is performances, they need the talent and the script. Neither is there. So what you have is a boring 80, 85 minutes of people in the house doing nothing. Uh, Adrian, uh, Adrian, the chat uh, wants to know if you're a fan of remakes. And if so, uh, what movie would you like to see remade or remake yourself? Tough one. Yes, I am. Um, here's the thing. And I know some people say this because it's true. The remake never takes away from the original. It doesn't. You, you can ignore it. We all ignore a nightmare in Elm Street because <laughs> it was fucking horrible. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm always up for like a new version of anything. So long as it's given some kind of care. I mean, Texas Chainsaw 2003, and I get a lot of shit from this, including from Ryan Turek. Um, I'll tell you, is better than the original. And I'll support that because you have a veteran filmmaker, you have veteran producers, you have veteran actors. How is it not better than people doing this for the first time? It is because, if you think about this, and please feel free to disagree with me and Adrian as well, we grow up reading the same thing everybody praises it. And it's not that I don't like it either, because I do, but we grow up reading all this praise for that or for any of these films. Everybody says it, they love it, it's great. But if you listen to them, they all say the same thing. Oh, it's great because it's got this documentary feel and odd. They say almost verbatim everything that you have read in any kind of book or heard in a documentary. It's like this mass sort of belief, and all they're doing is regurgitating the same thing. But you have to ask yourself, do you really like it, and do you really think it's all that? Or is that what's stuck in your head through years subliminally of hearing this over and over and over? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I would think that would probably be more someone who had seen it more recently with, like, the internet around, as opposed to someone who grew up watching it, because they really wouldn't have had that no, but we had Fangoria, and we've had books, and they all say the same thing. And documentaries that we'd see on whatever, AMC and before AMC. Ponder that for a while, and then get back to me on that. I mean, I, I, can't, I see what your point is. I personally have always liked the movie for those same reasons. I could also, I mean, I do think it's possible people could like things for the same reason. I'm not saying that you don't. I'm simply saying that that stuff feeds into you. It's like when you hear a song and you're like, you know, oh, I don't like the Beatles, but then you play like Beatles songs. You're like, oh my God, I like that song. Oh, I like that one. Oh, I Why? Because you've been listening to it all these years. You hear it in the back of your head. You know it, but you don't realize you know it. You don't realize you like it. You don't realize you're repeating it. That's all I'm saying. And not to take away your, lo your love for it or anything else, because I love that film too. But I really have to sit there and look and listen to people and realize that a lot of it is regurgitation. A lot of it is the same reasons that everybody else does. Or if they don't like something, 
it's the same reasons that you've read in like 10, 15 different reviews or you've heard people spout off on podcast or whatever for the well, because I, I, uh, I, I, uh, something that's really annoying to me is like these articles that will be like 50 reasons why this movie sucks or 50 reasons why you shouldn't like this movie. And I never understand that kind of uh, why you'd even want to write that. Like what, or how that would affect you. Like, why would you let someone's other, someone else's opinion talk you out of liking something that you like? I agree. I absolutely agree because one, any, I mean, a movie has to be completely devoid of all uselessness, usefulness to be, worthless you know what i mean you can usually find something in every film for you to latch on to and i don't care if it's howard the duck or the nightmare on street remake you know nightmare on street remake has a fantastic line which is um freddie says why are you screaming i haven't cut you yet it's like fuck that's great and it's obviously it's the only thing in the movie that's good, but it's a fantastic line that really deserves a better movie to be in. I may steal that. But um I don't know. That's that's my thought on that because um well, what you were talking about earlier, yeah. we get a lot of things to like to review and you know, we get a lot of this probably the same things, but uh, you know, uh screeners and stuff. And uh I can overlook a lot of things in a movie if like you could tell you they're having fun or there's like something original or they wanted to make something good. But I think the, the things that I dislike the most is if you just see it and you could tell like there's no originality or like, they're not even trying to make something new. It's just like they're putting it out there just simply to make a movie. And I, oh, think no, I completely, that's, like, the agree. Most, I completely like, agree. Even if it's technically well-made, it's something that I have no interest in. Ooh. For Adrian, I will tell. I will. I will say this: because I realize I didn't really answer this question completely. If there was something I'd want to see, I know it's weird, but I kind of want to see them remake Jaws. It's not going to be better, and I know this. But check it out: Cooper, Richard Dreyfus, Cooper, Ryan Reynolds. That is the only reason that even needs to exist so that Ryan Reynolds could play Hooper because it would be fucking awesome. You could just make it a Hooper movie. Right? I could see George Clooney as Flint. Quint, I'm sorry. I could see I could see Brad Pitt as Quint now. He's of the age where I would buy it, but it would have to be period. You couldn't make Jaws not period because then you lose that Indianapolis speech and the Indianapolis speech is everything. So, Jaws is filmed uh, that far from where I'm, and I'm on the Cape. So. Mm-hmm. Outside of Mar- Martha's Vineyard. Right. Okay. A town called Sandwich. There's um there's one kid in the scene that's from there. Um oh my god, I'm forgetting his name right now. But he always like for horror trivia, always wears a Jaws shirt. He oh, goes yeah. back home three, four times a year and brings back all these cool little Jaws artifacts. Because apparently they love Jaws there. Oh, yeah. Is that the trivia in Burbank, you mean? Yes. I was there once. I did not do well, but it was. It made me realize how little I know about horror compared to uh, some of these people. Oh, my God. It's it's. I used to go every Thursday you know, or whatever, last Thursday of the month, third Thursday of the month. And it was cool. We'd bring home some good prizes. Sometimes my team was last last team on the left. Um, that was my original team, but um, redneck inbred redneck torture family would generally take home most of the present, most of the presents, most of the uh prizes. Yeah, probably lost to them because they don't sleep ever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought I knew a lot about horror, but when I was there, I was like, whoa, I don't. It's being like in a room with like when everybody else is Quentin Tarantino, you know nothing. Mm-hmm. So, but it's still a good time. Oh yeah, you know I had a good time. It was very fun, and I think they still do it uh, virtually for people who. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found that out. I was like, wow. Do you have another question, Trista? I do. Yeah, I also enjoyed and failed miserably at trivia many times. But um, <laughs> so my question is, and forgive me, I don't remember what you wrote your essay on in the book. But what is your favorite horror movie? Um, the one that turned me on the horror, I guess, more than anything else at that time was Return of the Living Dead. Because it was, um, 
I was getting into punk. So you have that. It's shot in LA, even though it's supposed to be, you know, Louisville, Kentucky. It's it's LA, not too far from um, where I grew up. So I recognize some of the places and I can go skating and see the other places like you need a medical supply. So um, all that kind of played into it. And I just, I love the cramps. I love the 45 Brave. So everything about it was just, oh, this is what I wish every horror movie was. And that's why I wrote it on that. I'm a big fan of it. I think it's a great combination of horror and comedy where uh, it works both. The comedy works and the horror works is just a straight-up horror movie. It's so very rare that we get that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's what, what was great. Like that, Evil Dead 2, um, Shaun of the Dead later. But usually I cringe when people say, it's a horror comedy. It's like, mm. yeah. yeah and, and I also think both uh, both the uh, veteran cast and, and the young cast are great. Where sometimes oh, yeah. that doesn't always work either, and uh, true. No, everybody about everybody is fantastic in it. Um, a lot of them now I'm friends with. Um, I got to know James Karen before he passed. He was just the sweetest man. Um, um, Philbin, I can't think of his first name right now, but he was. Um, I'm so blanking right now. Chuck. Didn't think about it for a second. Um, Tina, everybody's great. You know, it was, it's a great cast, and everybody gave a hundred percent. And I think a lot of it lends to the fact that they had two weeks of rehearsal, mm-hmm. so they were able to get that stuff down and work it out. And they had the luxury of that, which you don't get anymore. And it shows. It shows that you can have people who've done like no films or a couple little things do a stellar performance because you have the time to work it out as opposed to two takes, move on. Yeah, there's definitely there. It seems like it's an actual group of uh, friends who actually would be hanging out together, even if some of them are, are different, but uh, they seem like, you know, they know each other. Absolutely. No, I totally agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's honestly one of my favorite movies, dude. Touche. Before zombies were overdone, because now there's zombies everywhere. But No, very, very true, because it's cheap. No, I agree. It's like, there's still a zombie. There's still a zombie script that is in me, and then whenever I do talk about it, it's just like, ugh. And not only do I make that noise, but other people roll their eyes because it's been done to death in the worst way. Every once in a while, there will be a, a cool new zombie movie that's, that that pops up. I think you just have to be really, you have to stand out. It's harder to stand out with a zombie movie now since there's you know so many of them. I agree there. I agree. Like, Train of Busan was good. I don't know if I want to see two, but I dug the first one. I like the first one. Hashtag alive. Yeah. Which one? Hashtag alive. I've not watched it. I watched it because Trista recommended it. It was very. Well, anything she does, I, you know. It's true. I'm very bossy. I know. But yeah, those uh, the the weird thing to me is the Train to Busan uh, remake because I think what makes Train to Busan so it stands out is there's no guns in the movie, one of the reasons, and so like you don't really see that uh, in an American movie, and uh, in where they you know in Korea there's not like everyone doesn't have guns so they have to learn to kill the zombies without guns. So if you remake an American remake, I uh, to me it's just going to be another zombie movie. But I don't know. Well, I'll have to wait and see. No, I just it won't it won't be as good. It won't be as good. I don't care what they do with it. I'm already afraid. We just have too many rules in place, you know. It's like martyrs are inside. If you saw the American version of either of those movies, especially inside, and I love me some Rachel Nichols, but inside's a piece of shit. You know, you cannot remake French films here. Not horror films, not from that era. And I think the same holds for any country because right away we want to try and make it more palatable for more people. And, you know, insight is disturbing partially, mostly because you're seeing how the baby's reacting inside the womb. It's unsettling, you know, and they take all that away, you know, in its purest form anyway. It's just like, oh, it's just some woman being chased around the house. Okay over 
Yeah, that does. I mean, there are exceptions to everything, but it's uh, very rare, I think, when they do make a, an American remake of a foreign film that it really translate well or, or comes off well. Like you said, the, I think was the last one I liked. What'd you like? Um, I mean, I'd have to think about it, but I can't. None pops into my head, honestly. Uh, I like, uh, I actually liked um, Let Me In, but I saw it before I saw the, uh, Let the Right One In. If I saw him in reversed order, I don't know if I would have liked it because it's so much like the original one. That makes sense. That makes sense. Because I, I think if I saw the original first, I would have been like, oh, they're really just doing shot for shot a lot of the same scenes. So it's not great. But since I saw it in reversed order, I liked it. You both saw Psycho, right? The remake. Oh, yeah. Biggest misstep in it. What are your thoughts? Uh, doing a shot for shot remake of anything, I think is. Pr- I mean, if you're going to remake something, you have to do something different with it. I agree. I What's the point? What about you, Trista? Anything? No, I kind of agree with that. I, I, and I think that's why people are a little bitter about them, you know? No, I agree there. It was weird. What Psycho was weird because Vince Vaughn, and I like Vince Vaughn. It's not that he can't do drama, but Vince Vaughn is six foot fucking five. He is a big guy. So never in the film is he not threatening. So I can't buy Norman Bates. No, he's just this little mousy guy that's minding his own business. Mm, He's built like a linebacker. Right. Because he's a tall guy, you know, in the original one, but he's not an intimidating guy. Right. He's 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 small. He's very mild-mannered. You get Vince Vaughn, and he's a tank, you know. Put all that wedding pressure stuff aside, you know, that guy will fuck you up, and he doesn't look like he's not intimidating. I always thought that was the problem with the, re- with the Rob Zombie's remake of Halloween is that Michael Myers is so big and scary, like he – he couldn't just fit in as like just the typical guy walking around in a in a in a mask. I don't think it's I a like the zombie movie, but yeah. Uh, it's not as good as the original, I guess. I agree with you there. I agree with you. As far as the casting, it's just like he's him like flipping over the uh the ambulance in the beginning of Halloween two right. is like a prime example of just too much. You know? But I like the zombie films, but you know, if I'm gonna sit there and nitpick, yeah, that's no. <laughs> It's Godzilla walking down the street. Yeah, if Troy was stopped, Troy could make it here today. Our third our coast, but uh, he's a big fan of the Rob Zombie one, so he, he would defend it more. But I don't think it's a terrible movie. Just... I like, I do like it. I own them. I watch them proudly, and I'll talk about all the things that I like in them that I think is great. But you know, if we're talking about that one specific thing, yeah, I have to agree with you. You know, six foot seven walking down the street. You know, again, built like a tank. Uh, hmm. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be a. He's not gonna blend in with a trick or treater, you know. You, <laughs> exactly. And I don't care who the trick or treaters are. Uh, AJ says the American guinea pig series he really likes uh, from uh, Unearthed Films. Oh which, my god! I don't know if they're necessary remakes as opposed. To, well, just like it a, doesn't uh, matter. He likes them. I haven't oh, seen no, them in just, years. I saw a couple of them. Um, oof, those were hard to watch. If there's anything I have a a problem with is violence on women like just violence violence not you know not slasher and not stuff like that but those films like each the killer i can't watch it i can't sit through it i've tried and tried but i just can't get through it i'm not gonna go on a tirade against it either but i just can't sit through it. i can't stomach it it's too I, real i really like those from that series and it's probably the less the least like the other ones is the one with uh, Jessica Cameron. I forget the name of it, but it's it's a. Uh, oh my goodness! Um, Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon, yeah. I think that's the best one of those. Haven't seen it with Jessica, huh? Mm-hmm. Now I have that's to. It's different than the it's because the other ones are really about you know like torture films. It's not really like that. It's not really a movie like that. Mm-hmm. But from understand some of the the real hardcore fans of that series, they didn't like it as good because of that. But uh, I, I think it's a, it's a really good movie. Hmm, I'll have to check it out. And I usually don't like a lot of uh, uh, exorcist movies because they never live up to the exorcist, but uh, I, that's not well. That's kind of uh, uh, shark movies. 
never live up to Jaws, so it's hard to, for me to like them. Or Megalodon 3. Mm. Yeah, sit there and think about that for a while. Trisha has this look on her face. You've never seen Megalodon 3, have you? <laughs> go on Google, go on YouTube, and look up Megalodon 3, that line, and just watch that. Okay. <laughs> it's like 10 seconds of your life. <laughs> but it's the most ridiculous line you've ever heard in your life. I spit up my drink when I saw that the first time because I could not believe what I was hearing. Now you have homework for next week. We'll right? Not week. only that, but like Bangoria and their review way back when mentions that line. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a thing, okay? Don't hold it against I'm me. I'm scared now. <laughs> It's just the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard in a movie. I like that you have particular lines, though, that stand out for movies and make you, you know, like the movie. There's nothing like a good line of dialogue, honestly, that will stick with you. Like Megalodon 3, otherwise, no one would remember or talk about that movie. Once you see that line, you'll understand that that's the only reason that thing exists. <laughs> um, Nightmare on Elm Street, I so wanted it to be good when I saw that trailer, and that line was just like, ooh. You know, and then you went and it was like, hmm, that line was the only thing in it. It's kind of like watching the big tidal wave scene in Deep Impact, you know, so you spoiled the movie. That's the only thing that's in it that's worth watching. That was the same, you know. But yeah, a good line of dialogue is everything because it's something you'll remember later on, you know. It's like when Tarantino movies, you remember everything because all the dialogue is good, you know. Uh -huh. Whether you like it or don't like it, the dialogue stands out. So, yeah, a good line of dialogue always. Because how many movies have we sat through for an hour and a half, two hours, with dialogue that's utterly forgettable, you can't remember anything? Speaking of Tarantino, <laughs> once upon a time in Hollywood, bring up bad memories of your mom telling you about the, the Manson film. No, nothing but good memories. I don't have anything bad against any of those. It, it didn't freak me out. It's just I'm endlessly fascinated by it. I know that case like like the back of my hand. I love that film. It's probably my favorite Tarantino film. It's actually my favorite. Huh? It's my favorite Tarantino film too. I thought of I, I loved it. It's because it's not only you know, as as been discussed time and again, it's not just Manson. Obviously it's actually a small part of it, but it's our industry and our industry at a time when I fell in love with it. Like that was the Hollywood that I fell in love with up to like, you know, for me up through 75, 77, there was an entertainment show called that's Hollywood, which was all that, that mystique about, you know, the industry. And it just slowly died over the years. By the time we got like, to like the early nineties, you know, I would say the mid nineties, it was gone completely. But that there is what five-year-old me was living through and seeing on TV. And so, yeah, it's, I mean, obviously it's more personal for him. But I look at that film, it's like, I get it. That's, those are my memories. And so I have a special attachment to it. Now, do you have another question? I do. I, I mean, I have a question about your career. I also have a question about what you're drinking. It, it looks like fire. <laughs> It is. Um, what I'm drinking right now is um, lemon rum and pumpkin vodka. It doesn't sound oh my like goodness. a good combination. Yeah, that's crazy. It's good. And what's making it uh, be on fire? <laughs> oh. Oh, you're bringing back the Hollywood mystique. I get it. I get it. Thank you for explaining. I have drank actual fire, the video of it. To watch. Now that I have to see. <laughs> Back in my drinking day. But go on, Trish. Oh, no. <laughs> well, he said you had a video. <laughs> yeah. He has a lot of videos from his drinking days. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Some of them you wish you did have, but you still show them anyway. Yeah, I mean, they're up on the YouTube, so I don't want to take them down. But yeah. Ah, fair enough, fair enough. So my question is this. You do everything. You write, you produce, you direct. Do you have uh, one role that you love the most? I like to write um, because if I'm going to sit there and write, it's like 
it's it's like right now. It's me and my desk. There's some candles. There's some liquor. Nothing else matters, and I can just write what I want. And I'll sit there and I'll work it and I'll work it till it's fantastic. Um, it's bittersweet because, of course, I want to see it on screen, and I know I can't give it to anybody else because it won't come out the way I want it to, the way it's written. But I, I enjoy writing because it's the only thing that you're completely in creative control of, you know? Because again, unless you're, and really not even then, but I was going to say, like, unless you're Tarantino, unless you're Spielberg, somebody like that, it's filmmaking by committee. But writing, and you know, even if you decide to like give it to people and you listen to their notes, um, that's your choice. When people read stuff of mine, I tell them, don't give me notes. I don't want notes. Don't waste your time. If you want to read it, you want to read it. And that's it. But um, it's the only medium you're completely in control of. And so that's why I like writing. When, when did Simple Celluloid go from what you said it originally was a, just a horror website? Not just a horror website, it was a horror website. When did it go from that to like you wanted to start to be involved in movies? Um, just, it was just really by accident. Um, that's when like Glenn Danzig started asking me to like do other stuff. And I saw it as an opportunity to get the name out there more. So it was like, hey, won't you do this for me? Well, can I put from some summary? No, yeah, okay. And so it was just that. It was just completely by accident. It was an opportunity to get the name out there. So it started being latched on other things. Like these little products I do for Glenn and then the music video. And it, it evolved from there. How did you... Um... <laughs> Where did you meet Glenn Danzig? Like, how did you guys get together? Um, originally, we met at, there was a comic show, and I don't think it's still around anymore, obviously, I guess. Nothing's around anymore. But um, it was called the Shrine, the comic book, science fiction comic book convention. It was like the last, or the second Sunday of every month at the Shrine Auditorium. And this is before there was a comic book store in every corner. So, you, you know, you saved up your money, and that's where you went and bought your books for the month. Um, so I met him there a few times and, um, through him, I met Ian Asbury of the Cole. He was there one time and I'm sure you've seen, if you're a dancing fan, you've seen those pictures online. So, um, that's how I started would see him every month and, you know, shoot the shit a little bit. But, um, when I did House of the Wolfman, <laughs> actually, and, uh, we went to Comic-Con and Glenn was there with his assistant, Crazy Craig, and, you know, we're talking, you know, Frank Rosetta and Conan and whatnot, because Glenn's a big Conan fan, like myself. So um, we're talking, and I invite him to the premiere. And Glenn didn't come, but Craig went. And so I got to know Craig, and then we started hanging out, and then Glenn would start needing things that were technical. It was like, hey, Chris can do that, right? Let's call Chris. And... Then it was like one project, and then it was like two, three things at a time, and then it was just, well, let's go eat. And it just kept going from there. And over the course of like a year, that's how we became friends. And now we're really close. So when he made it, but how involved were you in the movie? I was not. That was um, early on, we were going to do Garouge, and I took that to Blumhouse, and chopped around a little bit, but with Veronica, he sort of put that together um, just on the side, and then James Colin Bressick came in on that. I was able to find the money for it. And so I wasn't involved in that time. I actually didn't get involved to like, late in the game on that. And that was um, doing the Shutter, uh, the core episode that he did. So I went ahead and I produced that, and then we asked for that footage to be able to secure it to be the opening of Veronica. So that's my involvement. That's where my involvement in Veronica ends. It's just the opening sequence with Morella and the girl with the eyeball. So, um, and then for the new one, which is uh, Death Rider and the House of Vampires, um, that one I was doing other stuff at that time. So I just came on and I'm the set photographer. So I have hundreds and hundreds of fantastic photos. So that was, that was a good time. And then I'm a vampire gunfighter in it and I, I die a cool death and everything. So that's what 
I'm looking forward to it. It's very cool. Yeah, actually, I mean, it's got a fantastic cast. So that was one. So, um, and it was a good time. We'll see how it turns out. But uh, every day was was a great time on that set. Uh, by the way, Detroit uh, said he actually tried to get on earlier, but his uh, power is just texting. So, third. I saw on your Facebook you had a picture with uh, with Sid Haig and uh, Bill Mosley. And uh, do you have any memories of Sid? Big fan of Sid Haig. All the time. Um, I met Sid during the early corpses days when they were doing signings everywhere. So I was going to all those signings at that time at Sid and Bill and all that. And then um, just over the years, I would always see Sid at conventions and we sit there and talk. And um, again, it was all those things where slowly you built up a friendship and then that picture the one you're talking about with me him and um ken foray at breakfast is in north carolina and um that was a good time because it was um the night before was being caroline williams and ken foray me and caroline were having dinner and then ken showed up and they were doing that remember that fangoria rob zombie issue yeah that special um Michael Gingold showed up to do the interview. So I think after a little bit, and then I took off. Next morning, I saw Sid. We're getting breakfast together. And then Bill showed up, and Ken showed up, and just sort of, like, talked about the madness from the night before. But uh, Sid was always great. The last time I spent any time with him, honestly, was actually, okay, on Hanukkah, which Evan McGar's Hanukkah, mm-hmm. uh, Sid shot the first day. And I took him home that night. So it was like a good hour and a half from where we were shooting to his house. And that was the last time where just me and him would spend time together. It was nice. And then um, I saw the premiere. Obviously, it was the premiere. So you touch and go with everybody for a little bit. Yeah. And then that was the last time I saw were you at the, the last one? Because I know they did two premieres. They did a premiere of like kind of a work cut, and then they did a premiere two years ago, I guess it was. Were you at that one? I was at the one we did at the Chinese Theater. Mm-hmm. At the man, one of the smaller screens. That's where I was at, which was the first time it had been seen. Was that 2019? Um, I want to say 2018. All right. I was because I was at one. I don't know. It's, we might have been at the same place as all. It could have been. Everybody was there. We had the little little step and repeat thing going on. I did all for us. Yeah, and uh, Sid was the first ever guest on Without Your Head in 2006. So oh, really, shit. really good guy. And it was uh, a little uh, intimidating for him to be the first guest, but he was like a super nice guy and just really down to earth and friendly and. uh if he was, then maybe there would be no show, but he was a good guy and worked out well. No, Sid was fantastic. He was always kind, always willing to impart knowledge on people. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we sat there and we talked, among other things, we talked about this movie he did, because um, I love pirates, and he had done a pirate film with Robert Shaw called, um, oh my God, what's it called now? I'm blanking. I can't think of it at the moment. It didn't do very well, but he's in it. Um, James Earl Jones is in it. Uh, Christopher Lee. No, no, I'm a liar. Christopher Lee is actually a different movie. Um, but you get the idea. It was, it was a good cast. Yeah. It's a fun little movie to watch now. And who doesn't want to see Robert Shaw as a pirate? Exactly. You know? Yeah, that's the thing with Sid, because I've been around him a lot from at the conventions and uh, meals and stuff. He'll tell stories and you forget like he's he was around for like all different you know eras of, of Hollywood like on old western TV shows and like you could just tell yeah. stories about anything it wasn't just Rob Zombie no no exactly sure? uh, so can you tell us about Scare the Devil oh my god um, okay I think Trista knows this and probably wants to sock me every now and again for this one I don't like shorts like I don't but um, I was approached by somebody I knew of Kirk TV to do some little bumpers for them. And I was hesitant at first. And then I don't know if you know Spooky Dan Walker. I don't know. Um, yeah, Spooky he's Dan. in it. Yeah, <laughs> him and Christian are both in it. Yes. Um, Spooky was just like, what do you have to lose? They're going to pay for it. So you don't have to pay for it. So just do it and be done with it. So, um, 
my friend Jenna, uh, Jenna Wright, she wrote it. And um, she wrote, and I want to say it's Ambition, which um, Bob Shea directed just a couple of years ago. So um, she she wrote them because I like didn't know how to like put together something that would only be a couple of minutes long, but she came up with these cool little concepts, and um, I said okay, and I hired Christian to be the producer on it. And uh, we just put together literally in about a week and shot them all at a friend's place out in uh, Canyon Country, Aqua Dulce. We shot all three there, and it looks like three different locations. And it was Care to the Devil, Mr. Black, and Family Dinner. And we knocked all of them out just like that. It was great. Uh, can people watch those? Are they online or any place? Um, because I don't own them. Mr. Black and Scare the Devil are both on my Instagram. And um, I can send you links to those and you can post them if you want. Yeah. Um, Family Dinner, I never did post, but I can. I just haven't. It's really short. But Scare the Devil could have been a feature. And Mr. Black could have been a feature. Um, those are those are really good. They Any had a plans to go back to them to, uh, to flush them out as features? I, well, since I don't own them, I can. I was talking to um, Gabe Roth, Eli's brother, yeah. about getting them. And um, we touched on that. Every now and again, I talk to him. I just haven't thought about it in a while, but I may, because that would be fun. If nothing else, I'd just like to own them. So I have, if I do decide to do something with them, I can without having to go through the whole, right. you know, hoops right. thing. Yeah. Uh, Tristan, another question? I do, yeah. So I've read some of your work. Obviously, uh, we're friends, and you've sent me your work. And um, I, I, I'll be discreet because I don't want any spoilers because I, I want to protect the integrity of your work. But my question is, are you now or have you ever been in a biker gang? Me, no. But I was raised around them. My mom dated bikers. She dated uh, a couple of Mongols. So... I grew up around that whole one percenter thing. You wonder why I'm so fucked up. <laughs> it's between Manson and like organized crime biker gangs. And it's truckers. a fascinating I, world. It's the seventies in general. This is why I am the way I am. So um I grew up around that and so there's always been that fascination with it. Um but not only that but I've had really good friends over the past few years who dated guys who's either they were in a gang or their parents were, you know, high standing in some of the bigger gangs, I should say, like the banditos and stuff. So just, you know, obviously I didn't know any of them, but through him, I would hear more stories and this. I've always had that floating around me. So, you know, it's always been there, either directly or indirectly. Can you say anything about a Elevator Man? I don't know if that's ever going to get finished. Um, the one that we did was fun is uh, James Duvall, who's, who's super cool. And uh, we've worked a few times together. Um, who else was in that? Oh, my God. That was a while ago, too. It was produced by uh, Jennifer Blanc and Michael Bean. And my, you know, they're great. Michael Bean is super cool. I was, I was very, very starstruck the first time I met him. And the only person who ever really starstruck me was Robert De Niro, because obviously, you know. Well, Michael Bean, someone you grew up with, like, I don't want to be him. He's super cool. So when I met him, and that was a little, that was a little intimidating for probably a good half hour before I sort of got used to it. But um, Courtney Palm and James Duvall are in Elevator. And um, Mick Foley is in it. Oh, nice. He's a nice. wrestler. Mm -hmm. he, has a, he has a part in it. Oh, we know who Mick Foley is. He was super cool. He was the nicest guy and fun to work with. 
Um, but yeah, I don't, that thing has been, I mean, obviously I'm long done with it, so I don't know what's happening with it. That's more of a blog theme question, but, um, I hope it gets finished because there was some fun stuff in that. Yeah. I mentioned before on the show, it's kind of silly, but, uh, um, a mad monster usually, um, Eben will sit without your head between like some, some pretty big casts, which is very cool, but at the same time we get really ignored. And one of them was we were sitting right next to Michael Bean and 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 the cast of Aliens. And then on the other side was uh, uh, the original shape from from Halloween. So no one went to our table because they were all just going to everybody else. But uh, but I too intimidated by you. That that's very true. Very true. But they're all. It's always hard when you do that. I know. I mean. Everybody wants a spot next to Elvira until they have a spot next to Elvira and they realize that nobody comes to their table. Right, right. I, I probably shouldn't keep saying this. Eben will say, well, you're not even going to get a table next time. But, <laughs> but uh, by the way, uh, for people, if you are in the Charlotte area, that's happening uh, this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, Mad Monster in uh, in Charlotte. Oh, wow, it's happening. Now I'm mad that I'm not there. Yeah, well, he asked Daniel birthday, but I couldn't make it out there, unfortunately. Hopefully next year. It is the best show. If you're going to go to, like, a horror convention, Evan's Charlotte show is the one to go to. It's one of the best times I've ever had anywhere. Yeah, I was at, I've been to a lot of them. I was there last year, too. And I love that area, too. Uh, For people who are at conventions, a lot of times they'll put them somewhere where there's literally nothing you could walk to. You have to either have a car and drive somewhere or get a taxi. But that area in Charlotte, you can walk outside and there's all these restaurants around the, uh, the boardwalk. So you don't have to venture, you know, way off if you don't need to. It's good for everybody. Cause then you can go back to the, to the hotel and um, something a lot of people don't think about, but it, uh, I like that area. No, I agree with you. Absolutely. And that been- So are you working on anything currently? I know it's a weird times. It's a, it's a really weird time. Um, well, the last thing, like I said, was that, that Danzig thing that we just finished, the vampire thing. Um, right now I'm writing one book, and it's a horror book, uh, about basically a bunch of people, including, you know, unsavory types, because I, I like those people, um, end up basically stuck on the road, so they end up at an inn that's run by a witch. And... That's all I can say about it right now. But um, there's a lot of sex. There's a lot of beheadings. There's a lot of weird shit. You know. Oh, my gauge for everything is like the 70s when everything was very. Like, you know how in the 80s, like the sex was there, like starting mid 80s on, you had the sex there for just, you know, let's show boobies. You know, let's, let's go for that big scene for like two seconds. Or in the 70s, everybody was naked all the time, simply because that was the time. It's very matter-of-fact. It's very casual. It's just part of the story rather than being, you know, a box you're ticking. And so that's how I write, and those are the kind of films I like. Because everything's natural. It's not like this big build-up where, like, the girls off their shirts and the camera zooms in. It's just like, you know, sure, it was cool when I was, like, 15, but... I'm not 15 anymore. And now it's just, um, I agree. I also think a lot of the seventies movies, people were, uh, they attractive people that were realistically attractive where a lot of stuff from the nineties on started to have people that were probably not people you would see just in normal everyday life. Like exactly. No, exactly. I see. I'm like, three girls and two guys and they all sort of like tick all the boxes. Then you have like the one nerdy guy everybody picks on who's still kind of better looking than everybody else. Right. 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 The girl who's a, who's a nerd until she takes the ponytail down and she's. Oh uh, so, yeah. There was, you know, well, you had like the pretty ugly girl trope in like the eighties stuff too, but then it was still more realistic. Now the girl takes off her pigtails and she looks like a playboy playmate. And you're like, um, Right, right. The glasses come off, the, the hair goes down, and all of a sudden, she's a Kardashian. You're like, I, mm, okay. Right. I guess it's like, it's like Clark Kent and Superman. Takes the glasses <laughs> off. And Superman. That's the best analogy I've heard of that. That's great. 
Uh, uh, where can people follow you to see what you are up to? Um, Instagram, Twitter is simple cellulite. Nice and simple, one word. Um, Facebook page is uh, Christopher M. Jimenez. And, and they can check that out there. And that's really it. I mean, that's where everything's at. Anyway. And I trust you have another question? I do, yeah. So another theme in your work is uh, the supernatural. Is that something you have an interest in personally? I do. And that's um, like, that's a whole nother conversation. But yeah, um, because I believe in the supernatural, but I believe in the stuff like the occult. I believe in witchcraft. I believe in all that stuff. It's tangible. So I, I like having characters like that that delve into that because there's so much you can do with that as opposed to it being an, an entity or something because that I just, I can't. I think paranormal activity fucked it up for everybody. But um, as far as the occult and occult practices, and spellcraft and all that stuff. Absolutely believe in it. You know, I, I've dabbled in it a little, but I've had it done on me. And it's, you know, I can, I can say that there are effects. They're not always fun. And sometimes you don't realize it until it's pointed out to you. And you have to sit there and really think about it and talk to people and, you know, and deal with it. You know, it's not going to go away. Do you have any favorite uh, movies about the occult? Again, I like I like the weird shit. Um, probably my favorite recent is The Witch because The Witch was just a, a well-made film. I think it also started like we were talking about start that whole you're gonna get like 50 movies emulating it that aren't good and can't do that. But um, going back with the 70s occult films, I love Black Candles. It's a weird one, but Black Candles, um, Blue Blood, Satan's Blood. Yeah, there's a lot of blood type. Um, these are all fantastic. Satan's Blood's a really good one, which um, I actually just got from, who did I get that from? I want to say it was Severin. I'd have to look. But um, they just released a version of it Nice, cleaned up, beautiful Blu-ray clean. Um, but Satan's Blood, Black Candles, Blue Blood's a good one. Those are probably three of my favorites. Very cool. Well, it's been a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to you know some of your stuff that that it hopefully will get out there. Yeah, and um, I know that as far as the Danzig films concerned, I know it's going to be out sometime this year, probably again closer to October. They're just trying to work out the whole you know, distributor action in, you know, in the age of COVID. But that'll be a good time. I guarantee it. Yeah. So I'll let you guys know when that's going to come out because, you know, I'll have tickets and everything. You guys can come down and check it out when we do some sort of premiere. However, that's going to work. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, thank you for doing this. And thank uh, Trista for setting this up. Yeah, thank you so much. It was good to see you. You as well. We, we need you. to... Uh, we need to do it more often and not every two years. I'd love that. Yeah. We don't always have to do it live on the internet <laughs> Yeah, and record it. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have a good night. Thank you. Thank as well. you. Bye. Night. Thanks everyone for watching. I got 99 zombies out of which ain't hooked for my life. Run, run, run. There's no time for twists.
Most! 